Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Yumi. Welcome, Yumi. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk a little bit about your wonderful animated book, which is very exciting to chat about. I haven't, we haven't seen too many guests or books like you. On the name of your book, of course, is There is No Right Way to Meditate and Other Lessons. Fabulous work here. Let me ask you how you're, you've done a wonderful job of tying your own personal illustration world in with the book writing world. How did that come about? You're actually the author of three books with a fourth coming out. Tell us about your interest in, in, uh, in, in your writing as well as your illustrations and how the two came together. Well, I've always been drawing and writing since I was a kid, and it made sense towards my early 20s to combine the two to do comics uh, where I could do both writing and drawing and both mediums inform one another. And so I really started out just making my own comics, posting them online on my personal blog, which then led to self-publishing my comics, whether they were short stories in comic form or meditation comics or illustrated guides about mindfulness. And from there, it just gained a small following, both on the internet and also in indie comic publishing world, which then led to more opportunity, getting a literary agent, having my first book published, and then eventually book two and book three are both meditation-themed illustrated books based on works that I've self-published on my own. So it was just a lot of putting work out there, which then led to serendipitously led to bigger and greater opportunities to share with a wider audience. How did you, uh, it's funny because your, your work is funny and punchy and, and, and can cheer you up or bring you down. You have, a, you have wonderful talent. How did you discover that you had comic talent or comic or creative talent aimed at this comic area? Did you have really cool parents that actually laughed at scribbles and scratches and funny insights you have? <laughs> did you have friends and family or an art teacher? How did you? How does one get into the comic illustration world? Well, I think the first thing is that I was really painfully shy, so mm-hmm. it was easier for me to express myself through writing and drawing. I think when I was a kid, I would make these funny comics and cartoons about classmates and so that was a really great creative validation for such mm-hmm. a shy kid to to entertain classmates and friends with drawings. Mm-hmm. And uh it just it just grew from there. It was so gratifying to get a reaction from readers, whether it was classmates or people online, to really resonate with people in a, such a deep emotional way. And so that just kept going. And it's it's something that I will never get tired of, just mm-hmm. being able to connect with people in such a visceral way through drawing and writing. Who is your target audience for this book? Because it would seem to appeal to many different people, yet 
so few people at the same time, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's strangely broad yet hyper-focused. Who would you describe your target audience to be? Honestly, I'm not really thinking about a specific demographic or audience. Honestly, mm-hmm. I feel like so much of my work, it's it's really to a younger and more vulnerable version of myself mm-hmm. when I wasn't as confident or I wasn't as self-loving or self-caring towards myself. So really so much of it is to me. And then from there, it's sort of a crapshoot uh, if it resonates with other people or not. So I'm definitely not aiming to please everybody and it's definitely not for everybody, but I feel like that's what makes it so special. Hmm. It's hard to just, to interview an illustrator because you just want to see the work. But let's see if we can try to express what you were thinking with this illustration in the beginning part of your books. It's, it's sort of this, you know, breathing lets your loved ones know that you are sort of down further in illustration, still alive. And it's two people facing one another with breathing and lungs and air and, you know, this interview and and wings on one person. And tell us what you were thinking and what goes through your head as you as you sculpted that illustration. Yeah, I I think with a lot of my meditation comics, a lot of them are not pre-planned. They sort of come about in the spur of the moment. And so this was made a few years ago. And I think... I want to say at that time I was just in early stages of starting my own personal mindfulness meditation practice. And I think it's, I think I was inspired by this idea that you don't have to always be doing something or accomplishing something to be worthy as a human being. And so this this idea that is still hard for me to accept, um, but I'm getting better at, is the idea that you don't have to always be doing something or always be productive. If sometimes you can just be breathing and really relishing existing in the present moment, and that's really the most that we can all do as human beings too grateful for being alive and so I think that was the sentiment that was driving that illustration. Do you feel to illustrate something you have to have almost a profound passion for what you're illustrating and obviously with your own books you're writing about things you believe in but how do you react to people that want to hire you as an illustrator versus creating your own work and creating your own book? How do you separate those two worlds, and how important do you think passion is to illustration? Well, I think I think when it comes to illustrating other people's works, then then I see it as creative problem solving. I'm hired to do a specific job, and it's actually kind of fun to be detached from the work at hand and to basically provide the best visual story for whatever it is that I'm illustrating. And yes, definitely passion, (laughs) especially with almost any creative field, so much of it is dependent on your 
your own drive and hustle and uh, going through stable and unstable periods, definitely passion drives mm-hmm. my illustration work, which which I ultimately I see as a form of storytelling and connecting with other people. You have another illustration with a bunch of squiggly lines and a knot, a ball-like knot. Um, uh, it looks like yarn, this mess of yarn gone bad, and it says, "This is your, <laughs> this is your mind." <laughs> and then you have a wonderfully illustrated circle with nothing in the middle, and it says, "This is your mind on meditation." Any questions? <laughs> um, obviously, you found some. <laughs> You, meditation is clearly important to you, and um, it is. <laughs> uh, and you believe wholeheartedly in it. What is it about medita- meditation that makes you think that it's it's a critical component to happiness and health? Well, I think with meditation, it just clears your mind completely, or rather, it shows you the possibility of what a clear mind can feel like. And so when you're in, when you have more agency over the thoughts you want to think, the feelings you want to feel, then it really does uh, change your life mm-hmm. on a on both a mundane and profound level. It, it just sounds uh, so abstract uh, when I describe it to people who've never meditated before, but because it's it's about nothingness and emptiness and <laughs> clarity, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it it really does for me. It it's really just changed my life, um, relationships, my own creative life, mm-hmm. my own day to day. It's just a, this all encompassing thing because your thoughts and feelings are everything, and if you control that or mm-hmm. have more awareness of it, then it's going to change everything about your life and how you live it. Let's take a quick break. Back in a minute, everybody. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with ezoic. That's ezoic.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google certified publishing partner. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. 
Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste twenty-five percent of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. And now back to life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back. Great to have you on the show today. I'm not sure if you realize how amazing your introduction is here to visualizing, you know, what the power of meditation, perhaps, or how meditation works. It's, it's sort of, I've been practicing yoga now for five years. Uh, I think uh, after some back surgery I had, it was in, initially I started practicing out of necessity to be able to walk well again and, and be the athlete that I used to be before back surgery. Uh, but I've since found it to be relaxing and, and important physically and mentally and lots of things. But this notion you had, I'm just going to read this first sentence. Um, when I was 23 years old and depressed out of my mind, I had, I had the life-changing epiphany that I am not my thoughts, but rather the space in between my thoughts. That is truly fascinating, Yumi, <laughs> that, you could se- <laughs> that you could separate your thinking uh, from this space in between, which defines who you are. By the way, it's it's very anti-Cartesian. Descartes, of course, uh, with the famous statement, "I think, therefore right. I am." Right. It's pretty much the opposite of that. <laughs> um, and and I find it fascinating. Have you thought about that from a philosophical perspective? And 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 why why was that a life changing epiphany for you? And what did it physically do to you? Now those are three questions I just asked you, so you can answer any one of them. <laughs> but but tell tell me seriously that 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 was a life changing event for you. What when did you discover this? And how did it change who you who you are and how you operate? Well, this was in my early 20s, and really uh, the the concept itself came from a book, uh, specifically Eckhart Tolle's uh, book, A New Earth, and he his work is all about living in the stillness of the present moment, listening to your inner silence. Um, really, so much of my own uh, meditation comics is lifted from the concepts that he explores, and so... I was reading his his book on a train in Tokyo, and I I think he basically said something along those lines in his book, that you are not your thoughts, you are the inner silence. And I think for me, um, having struggled with depression for uh, most of my teen years and also my early 20s, where it was this constant battle against my thoughts, where I would just always have the most self-deprecating thoughts towards myself, like I hate myself, I'm worthless, I can't do anything right, nobody likes me. And then trying to counter that with, with you know, cheesy quotations or self-help tips, like, no, I love myself, I'm, I'm great, I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. But just yeah. having this ongoing battle that just felt like a dog chasing its own tail. And so, yeah. and so finally there was this, third alternative where it's like you don't have to think bad thoughts you don't have to counter your bad thoughts with good thoughts just just listen to your silence and that's all you need to do i think that was just this 
profound paradigm shift, this this third option I didn't know existed. And and from there, that just led to meditating, mindfulness, and really exploring this idea of space and silence. For some reason, perhaps the fact that my father was a professor of philosophy or that I'm a good listener with friends, but you know, in my journey in life, I always had friends that have come at me at traumatic times in their life when maybe they were divorcing, and they don't recognize the insanity of what they're saying, you know, um, but, but, but yet they say it to me over and over and over again. And, and I listen, of course, and, and try to, if I'm tired, I try to offer reason to them, which I know will never work. But if mentally alert uh, and hyper-focused and I try to work them through, well, why are you, know, the questions, why are you feeling like that? And what do you think caused that? You know, so, but in the end of the day, what I find is people actually burn out with all these negative thoughts they have about themselves and other people. And they just get tired of saying them over and over and over again without any different result happening because they still feel bad. It's kind of like the definition of insanity, right? right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So if we could just get people faster to realize they could save so much time in their lives worrying about things, isn't that what this space in between your thoughts really is? And by the way, you you have this wonderful illustration and, and, and you sort of bring in a, an analogy and an illustration of clouds, you know, floating across and this notion that your thoughts are the space between those clouds. And Some clouds are dark, some clouds are light. I mean, it's just like the perfect visualization of everything going on. Um, uh, really, really uh, amazing uh, to, to bring this to, 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 to the illustrated world. What did that do to you? When you made this epiphany, when you had this epiphany, you know, did you literally like almost overnight feel better about yourself and and, and start conquering the world? What did it do to you? (laughs) How did it change what you do and how you do it? Well, it was definitely not an overnight cure or instant cure, but it really did, I feel like, lead me to a much better path of ascension where there was growth and evolving. And so I think I think it was just the beginning of uncovering layers of pain and self defense and and you know, like you said, just those all those layers of insanity of repeating the same narrative in my head over and over and uncovering alternative narratives. So, yeah, and it, and I feel like um, maybe this this idea that I wasn't my own thoughts that was um, almost seven years ago, eight years ago, I want to say when I had that epiphany, and I feel like only now am I beginning to really. <laughs> I feel like even though I've, I've come such a long way since then, the things I continue to uncover for myself, it, it feels like it's just the beginning, and there's still so much more. Um, silence and space and depth to explore within myself. It's wonderful. You must get this out to to other people. We were talking about your demographic. I mean, I think teens in particular would really be able to identify and relate to this that are going through the many things that you did. I think your roots are, are very important for where this all is. But let me ask you about meditation. So Comics, meditation, hmm, you wouldn't think typically would go together, right? Meditation is a powerful, serious force that needs to be taken 
um, and humorous insights or observations would seem to be the antithesis of what meditation is all about. Did that tension ever cross your mind? Well, it's funny that you say that because I think I used to work for an internet startup for this wellness company that worked with a lot of self-help authors. And I think having as somebody who was beginning to discover meditation, I sought out other blog posts and other books about meditation and mindfulness. And I just felt like comics are the perfect medium for meditation because it's such an abstract thing that is hard to describe in words. And so, and so many people are uh, visual thinkers. So uh, comics and illustration felt like the perfect fit for it. And, and I think with meditation, I just don't really see it as this serious. I mean, yes, it is a serious and profound thing, but I think it's also important to, to have a sense of playfulness and curiosity, which I think is also an important aspect of self-reflection and spirituality and inner reflection to, to have this uh, open-minded, childlike uh, sense of play where you have this beginner's mind and you're open to all possibilities instead of feeling that you have to follow a set of rules or or do it do it right as the masters or the religious texts would say. I've always sort of resisted that and so I I like to have a sense of play and not so seriousness in my works because for me I feel like that's the most truthful way to explore these deeper and sometimes darker truths. This is a wonderful book and I'm just excited to have been able to chat with you today. Uh, so thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Indeed. Now I have a few more questions for you. Number one is, what is the next book you're coming out with? You mentioned it to me. Oh, yeah. So the next book, it's actually very different from my other three books. It's a sort of a DIY lifestyle guide to you towards young women, uh, probably in college or in their early to mid-20s. It's a illustrated collection of practical life hacks and tips ranging from uh, health to fashion to housekeeping. Um, mm-hmm. And the title is still yet to be undecided. That's going to be decided soon, but it's going to come out sometime in May. Mm-hmm. But I also do still want to make more meditation mindfulness books. So mm-hmm. that's also in the works. Terrific. All right. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Who would I like to hear from? Oprah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, no. yeah, Oprah would be awesome. <laughs> No. Um, Any of your fans <laughs> at a website, people can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on social media. I'm on yumisakagawa.com, just my first and last name, and mm-hmm. that's also my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle, my Snapchat handle, which I'm still learning how to use. Um, and also, I have a Facebook artist page as well. And a news, and an email newsletter. So there are many ways for people to find me. Right on. Well, once again, thanks for being on with us today, Yumi. Thank you so much, Byron. Right on. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and more confident with your meditation practice in any way you want to do it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. 
The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 